Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. I talk to your manager, and that manager has a different authority than the person that was on the phone prior to you. So today we were talking about this concept of managing, and the word that we were talking about is called stewardship, stewardship. And stewardship is not really used in our culture anymore because we're all about just, hey, if I don't like it, I'm going to get rid of it real quick. There's not this concept of, hey, grinding it out, of stewarding it well. Um, We just want the new thing. We just want the thing that just gives us satisfaction for a moment. We don't want to really just dig deep, dig our roots, and steward what God has given us on a daily basis. Because the reality is this, God has blessed us no matter what. You can have millions of dollars or you can have um, two dollars in the bank, but the reality is you're breathing, that means you have purpose, and God is still blessing you. And the way that God, the way that we represent our, our, our lives back to God is how we steward what God has given us Not only with our resources, but with our time and with our energy. How are you stewarding? How are you managing God's blessings in your life? The definition of stewardship is the the conducting and supervising or managing of something. The biblical definition of stewardship is a biblical view of stewardship is utilizing and managing all the resources God has provided for the glory and the betterment of his creation. The question is, are you stewarding? what God has given you well. And the first week we talked about how we, how we steward, you know, uh, I forgot what we talked about the first week, but let's just go to the, the week three. We're talking about today is my, you ever like had a thought and your mind, your mind just goes blank. That just happened. All right. That just happened. See, to understand this is we have to understand that the gifts and the resource that God has given us is sometimes it be, we have the tendency, if we don't steward it well, it becomes burdensome. Because we're trying to do it on our own power. We're trying to do it on our own will. And even the blessings that God has given us sometimes can become a burden because we're not stewarding it the right will. Because in reality, our intentions are not aligned with God's heart. Our intentions are not aligned with God. Stewarding makes us challenge and forces us to think in a, with a different perspective of what God is doing in our life, especially in the world and the culture, where it's all about me, me, me. And God tells us to think about others. See, it's hard to steward that, that, that calling on our life because we just want it to be about ourselves. But God tells us to think a little different. And how he steward our time and our energy is to think of others. Stewardship is an intentional and is very necessary in our lives. Let's turn to Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says it like this. If you are faithful in the little things... God will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibility. I didn't say it. (laughs) It's it's the word of God. God gives us these little moments, these little things to, to steward, to manage well. And to be honest, the way you steward the little is really how you're gonna how you're gonna steward the big. We have to understand that in our lives. God talks about this concept of from glory to glory. It's a progression. But when we are stuck in one glory, he's never going to give us the next glory because we're not ready for it. But then we get mad at God. 
And we're like, God, why am I not moving forward? God, why am I not doing what you're telling? Why am I not in this position? Why am I not, not, not dating this person? Because maybe you didn't steward well in a season. So you have to know that stewardship is intentional in your life. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, verse 26 says like this. And the world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets what? Smaller and smaller. It's a stewardship mindset. Stewardship needs to be the forefront of our minds. And it's not for us to perform for God. It's really us to be obedient to his calling in our life. Today, I'm going to be talking about this concept that I'm dealing with in my life or dealing with, you know, throughout this, this season of my life. And today's title is, today is stewarding the shift in your life. Stewarding the shift in your life. See, sometimes life takes shifts that we're not ready for. Sometimes life takes shifts that we, are, that we need to walk into. But how are we stewarding the shifts in our lives? In the, in the book of Acts, we see here this man, uh, at one point his name was Saul, and God turned his name to Paul because there was a shift in a moment in his life that transformed him from the inside out, that transformed his life, not only transformed his name, but it transformed his character as well. Because sometimes we can trans try to transform the outward things, but inside you're really who you are. See, God doesn't look at the, the, the outer appearance. You can come to church and, and, and do what you got to do and raise your hands. But if you're not transformed from the inside, you're just playing a game. I'm just preaching today. See, because the reality is you need a transformation in the inside. And when that happens, then God says, hey, how are you managing it? How are you stewarding it? See, here we're in the book of Acts, chapter 9. We see this, this, this little thing that happened to Saul that turned into Paul. I'm going to be reading here in just a little bit. So I would ask if you got a Bible, take it out, um, to kind of follow me here. But we're going to Acts, chapter 9, verse, um, verse 1. And then we're going to be reading here for a little bit, and i kind of break it down. I want to get to some context of what we're going to be talking about today. It said, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So Saul, at this moment, his job was to look for people that were trying to follow what they saw, what they called was the way, which was what Jesus represented, is what Jesus came to die for. The new, the new Christianity, the new gospel that Jesus brought to this world. Paul or Saul, his job was to kill or to put these people in jail that were going after Jesus. See, don't, don't, get, don't, don't disqualify yourself because you're not, you don't think that you're there yet. God used a man like Saul to transform the whole gospel and turn him into Paul. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. See, he went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogue of Damascus so that he may find anyone who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them to, as prisoners to Jerusalem. And he neared uh, Damascus on his journey, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Um, Saul said, I am Jesus whom you are persecu persecuting, he replies. Now he got up and went into the city, and he told uh, and, and he, and he what, what he must do. And the man traveling with Saul 
stood speechless. They heard a sound, but didn't see anyone. So Saul got up. Everybody say got up. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see nothing. So they laid him in the, uh, by the hands in Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he, Lord, he answered. And the Lord said to him, go to the house of Judah on the straight street and ask for a man um, of Tarsus named Saul. Um, for he is praying in a in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come to the place, his hands put on him and restore his sight. And the Lord said to Ananias, I have heard many reports about this man and the harm that he's done to the holy people of Jerusalem. Let me stop right there. So here's Ananias just living his day, just living his day out. And God speaks to him and say, hey, Ananias, I want to go to this this man named Paul. Put your hand on him and I want you to heal him. But then there's a reputation of Saul in this moment. Saul was the one that killed people that, that belonged to Jesus. Saul was the one that put him in prison. So Ananias is in a weird position right here. He said, okay, God, I'm trying to listen to you, but then I also know this man's reputation. I know what I have inside, and I know this guy, his job is to kill me for what I believe. So God, see, God so sometimes you're going to be put in awkward positions or in positions to grow, and the reality is, even though it's bad, are you still going to listen to God all the way through? Because Ananias could have been like, okay, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. I know this man. I, I, God, can you give me another calling? God, can you give me another purpose? God, can you give me another thing? But the reality is your job is not the purpose. Your job is to live out the purpose. See, sometimes we curse God because we don't like what he gives. But the reality is he's created you for a purpose. And we're all crying out, God, what is my purpose? And God is probably screaming it out to you. But you're like, hey, I see that person on Instagram and I like their purpose. But God is telling me to go somewhere else. So guess what? I'm not going to live out what I call to do. I'm going to try to live for somebody else's purpose. And that doesn't work. See, Ananias had a choice here. He said, God, am I, going, am I really going to do this even though it might, it might put me in a position that I do not like? Let's go to verse 14. And he said, and he came to the authority to the chiefs of priests that arrested him by his name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go to this man. He is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings before Israel. I will show you how to do this. So he gives him the instructions. And then, and then in verse number 18, Ananias goes to the place and he talks to, to, to Saul and he lays his hand on Saul and said, verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell off Saul's eyes and he could not and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and he took some and he, he, he took some days to really know about God. And then he started preaching the word in verse 21. It says, and all that who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc? In Jerusalem, among those who called by his name, and they and he hasn't come here to, to prison the chief priests, yet Saul grew more and more powerful, baffled at the Jews living in Damascus, and proved that Jesus is truly the Messiah. I know that was a lot of reading, but I, I kind of wanted to give you what we're talking about today because it's so important what happened in Saul's life that transformed him to Paul. 
See, we have to understand in the shifts in our lives, it, it, it matters how we steward that well. The definition of shift is an exchange of to replace one another, a change of place, a position or direction, um, a, a place of change. And I like this one it says a change of gears, a change of gears. See, you ever been driving? And you just live in your, you know, automatic and you just live in your life and and you're just trying to go real quick and you just put yourself and you, you don't list. You don't see the gears. But then out of nowhere, you put it in neutral and you think it's driving. You go and you're just stuck. Am I the only one? OK, cool. All right. Or there's this other gear. I don't know why it's there. I think it's for northern people or going up hills. You put it, you're just ready to go, and you put it all the way, and, and you're going down the road. And then out of nowhere, you're just like, oh, my gosh, is my car broken? And it's like this weird gear. It doesn't want to go to the next gear. And you've got it on that little L. You know what I'm talking about? That thing, that little L thing. You're like, what's going on? And then you're like, I got to put it in drive. Am I the only one? You guys are holy today. It's a shift of gear. If you're in the wrong gear, sometimes you're going to be stagnant in your life. If you're in the wrong gear, maybe you'll be moving, but not really moving how you're supposed to. See, the shift does that. It, it, it directs us in the right direction that God wants. We hate the shifts in our, in our lives because it changes sometimes the directions that we think that we're really thriving in. Woo! Sometimes in life, we're like, man, I'm thriving. And then God says, stop, do something else. But God, I'm so faithful to you. Hey, I'm not questioning your faithfulness. I'm questioning your direction and your trust. See, sometimes God's going to tell us to shift even when we are thriving. And that's when it's hard. That's when we truly have to trust God because the reality is, are we thriving in our will? Are we thriving in his will? The shift is a hidden blessing in our life, but the shift, it hurts. The shift changes my normal to supernatural, but the shift is while I lose, I still gain. The shift is the light switch we need. The shift is from, the, from Saul to Paul is trusting God in the middle of it. Here's Three, here's four things I want to talk about today in the middle of the shift that happened here that can happen in your life, too. When God shifts some things in your life. Number one, fear in the shift. See, there's going to be, he said that, that God knocked him off his horse, his donkey, and put him to the ground and spoke to him. I don't know about you, but I won't be like, hey, this is a normal day. I'm just trying to go to Damascus to do my thing, and a light comes from heaven, knocks me out, and I'm blind. I wouldn't be like, hey, this is a, this is a promise from God. No, I'll be scared out of my mind. It said that the people that were with Saul was astonished that they could hear something but not see what's happening. If fear comes in the midst of your shift, I'm here to tell you that fear will show its face when God is shifting things in your life, do not be do not do not be confused. Do not be shocked that fear tries to come. What happens when you're headed to direction, but God stops you in your tracks? Fear can creep in in, in any point of your life. What does fear mean? False evidence appearing real. 
That's what fear is. is. Fear is a false evidence of appearing real. Are you letting fear block your shift season? Are you letting it block that season? The shift will bring fear, but, but, but does fear have your shift season? And this is what we have to do when, when life comes and God is shifting things in our life. We don't understand. We're in this limbo. We need to do what Psalms chapter 56, 3 says. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Sometimes we complicate things, and God gives us the answer that we need. The problem is you don't know the answer because you're looking to answer so many other things and not his word. It says when I am afraid. He didn't say that fear won't come. No, he says when fear comes, I got the remedy. I put my trust in you. Fear is going to come, but put your trust in God in this shifting season. Number two, you have to take action in the shifting seasons of your life. It said that it said that Paul or Saul at this moment, it said that he was knocked down. He heard the voice, but it said what? He got up and followed what God told him to do. Now, this is a man that wasn't a holy man. This was a man that literally killed people for following Jesus. So for him to hear his voice, God's voice, and actually do it was a miracle in itself. See, it's hard for us as believers to truly follow God's voice because we really want our will. And here's a man that, that, that didn't really know who God was and was, was battling this, this thing on the inside. And he got up from his position of fear, got up and did what God told him to do. Even when turmoil, even when opposition came in his life. See, one of the worst things I think is, is, you know, when an accident, one of the worst things that I would never want in my life is, is have something but then lose it. Well, this is what I mean. I pray against all these things because I know what things look like with my eyes. But what happens if I lose my sight? Yeah, I think it's even worse when you know how it feels or know how it looks and then you lose it. See, there's, there's people that are, are born, you know, blind and stuff, you know, and they, they have a struggle. But the reality is when you have vision and you lose vision, I feel like it's worse in your life. When, when, when God has called you, see, some of us have prayed for the season that we're in, but we're cursing it now because we got in the way of it. See, we, we had clear vision at one point, but the vision was altered by me. It's, it's, it's too quiet in here because the reality is if we don't nurture, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't really take care of these shifting season, we're going to get in the way and we're not going to be following God's will in our life. He said, get up, God said, and, he, and to shift from darkness into life, from pain to joy, from hopeless to hopeful, from fear to faith today. The walk is the shift is going to be scary, but there's a blessing at the end of this shift season of your life is called his abundant Blessing in your life from Saul to Paul. Number three is the sight in the middle of the shift. Why did Jesus had to blind Paul? Why? I, I, I thought about that the other day when I was studying. I'm like, I mean, a lot of this could probably take, <laughs> take place 
Why you had to take his sight? (laughs) Why did you have to blind him for him to follow the calling on his life? Because in the shift, we need to be blinded by the things around us and just follow the voice. See, here's the thing. You ever been, you ever been like had these um, team building things where they blindfold you and you have a partner and they put like a little obstacle in your way and then you kind of have to just follow the obstacle blind but listen to the voice and you're just like, and you look like a fool on the outside? Come on, you guys are too holy today. See, sometimes that's life, where you're blinded from what's in front of you, but you just got to trust his voice and just move forward. And that's what, why did Jesus had to blind him? He had to blind him to, to get him away from the things that are trying to hinder him. Sometimes we also need to be blinded from the, pla- from the past to clear our minds for the future. See, I I believe that there's some Christians in life that are living life cross-eyed. I didn't know how to do it, okay? Living life cross-eyed. Now, this is the most spiritual illustration I'm going to give you, okay? Write it down. They're living one eye this way and then the other eye this way, cross-eyed. Living one eye in the past but then striving for the future. And they believe that they can have clear vision in the middle. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God's not going to give you vision until you put your eyes where the direction needs to be. You can't live life over here wanting to party and go crazy, but then um, on Sunday do this. You can't, you can't live life cross-eyed where your vision is only to, to have a relationship or have that job, but then also try to follow God's will. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And what we look like are fools. Because <laughs> the world is looking for truth. And he's looking at, and, they, and you tell yourself, and you, you present yourself, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But the world sees that you're looking cross-eyed. Oh, wasn't this the person that just invited me to church, but that's a club with me? I'm getting too real today. Oh, isn't this the person that, that tried to witness to me two days ago, but then, um, but then now they're like cussing up a storm and, you know, listening to this and doing this and this. You can't live life cross-eyed. True vision and what God wants for you only is available whenever you decide to put your gaze at where God has you to look. You cannot look both ways. In the shift in your life, he, the, the blindness was to, to, to not hold him back for what he has for him. See, blindness also means sep- um, being separated. We live in a culture where, where we want to be so included that we look like the world. We want to be so relevant that the church or Christianity doesn't even look like the church or Christianity anymore. Not that, we're, not that we're trying to be better than anybody, but God did call us to be separated. He calls us to be different. So, yeah, in the I really believe that we miss the will of God and revival in our life because we want to be relevant. And Christianity becomes relevant and not reliable. 
Because being relevant is going by the next fling. Reliable is consistent. And we don't want to be consistent anymore. We just want to just do what we got to do and then be me later on. But God calls us to be selfless and to go after him. This is too much even for me today. Because it's challenging me to how am I stewarding my seasons of my life. See, God has given you clear vision in the change in the shifting season of our life. Anthony. Well, I guess he's not even here. Somebody come play piano. JP, come play piano. Number four. The opinions in the shift. See, it said that Paul got transformed and God changed his name from Saul to Paul. And then he said that he went and started learning about this, this Jesus person. It said that he started learning. He started getting around people that are going to encourage him. And then once he got encouraged, he went out and did. Because it said in the, that same verse that, that Paul was starting to preach the gospel to all the people in Damascus. And people were looking at me, hey, 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 weren't you that guy? You know those people like the old man? Weren't you that guy that was persecuting Christians just a couple minutes ago? Weren't you that, weren't you that person that... Talk bad about Christians? Weren't you? It's, that, it's the finger person. You know what I'm talking about? See, some people in the shifting season are going to try to remind you who you are to alter who you're going to become. It's the noise. See, Paul had to shut the noise and stay the course. Shut the noise and stay the course. I'm here to tell you today in the shifting seasons of your life, shut the noise. Shut the noise. Saul, you once were a killer, but now Paul, you are a person to bring people out of death into life. I believe there's sometimes Christians that they don't know how to steward things. They go to their, they go for the truth. Have you ever heard people say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just live my truth. My truth. I know my truth. I'm like, boy, please. Your truth is wrapped into selfishness, pride, and just ugliness. My truth. I'm going to be. See, we try to. To, to look for truth in so many things, in, in, in the next book, in the next podcast, the next advice, the next self-help thing. And those things have its place. Don't tell, I'm not here to say all those things are wrong, but I'm here to tell you when purpose killers come in your life, that you're only going to be sustained by true truth. And the true truth that you need doesn't come by somebody's opinion it only comes by the word of God and that's what we need to learn as believers of Christ that we can't listen to people with small minds and listen and we need to listen to God's great plan for our life 
God, God said, Paul, I have a huge plan for your life. God, God said, Paul, I knew what you were going to do even when you were killing those people, even when you were persecuting those people. I knew that you were going to be the one, Paul, to be the one to, to take this gospel forth, and we're living it now. God knew. Here's the thing. The greatest victory is held by hostage by your next thought. Your greatest victories can be held hostage by your next thought. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 3 says, Even then, you were raised with Christ Jesus. Seek those things that are above. When Christ is sitting on the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things on this earth. For you died and you live in hidden in Christ, in God. We need to think of ourselves how God sees us. Your truth is not the truth. His truth is the truth in your life. And as I close, the last thing that Paul did as he had this shift in his life, he he was super extra in the shift. Super extra in the shift. He did not, once he was transformed by God, he didn't turn back. Matter of fact, he got a little annoying and started preaching the gospel everywhere. He started going to this town and this town. He became the most extra person ever. See, in a world where, let me, let me just give you a newsflash. Newsflash. Jesus is coming soon. I, I came to a point in my life where it's like, there's no middle ground. I either believe this thing or I don't. Because we can wish, wish wash the gospel, but the reality is he's coming soon. And, and what we need to be as Christians in the end times, imagine this, he thought about this. God could have put you in any time, any time period that he could have put you in and he decided you to be alive right now. That's how intentional he is. So that means in this time, you have a purpose in what the culture in the world is at this moment. He could have picked any time, and he picked this for you. Why? Because he knows he needs people that are not timid Christians anymore. He needs people that are going to stand up and say, I'm going to be a little extra for Jesus. I'm not going to stand back and listen and get let, let my family go aside. I'm going to stand in the gap and be who you called me to be. I'm not going to go back. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to let fear grip me. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to get up from this state. I am not going to stay here. I'm going to be transforming some things. In my life, I need to transform my mindset. I need to transform my heart because what God wants to do with me in this season is bigger than I am. So I'm going to put my pride aside. I'm going to put my issues aside. I'm going to put my will aside. And I'm going to follow the voice that God has in my life. Are you managing well? Are you managing well what God has given you in this season? And I know this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Your story is not done. Some of you right now should be in jail. Some of you right now should have stayed in that abuse. 
Some, some of you should have disqual been disqualified a long time ago, but I'm here to tell you, you're here now and you're free. So why live in the past when God has so much bigger for you in the future? It's time to live out loud. Don't waste the shifting season. Embrace it in your life. God is ready to shift, to move, to rearrange some things in your life. The question is, are you ready and are you willing? Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together. Thank you.